You're listening to Podnosis, the pulse of the healthcare industry. I'm Ayla Ellison. Regular cancer screenings increase the chances of detecting certain cancers early before it has a chance to spread. Access to early screenings and intervention can reduce deaths by 45%, according to the American Cancer Society. But accessibility remains a challenge. People might have coverage but not know about it, or they might not be able to take time off from work to get a screening. Cancer prevention should be a top priority for employers for many reasons. Cancer is among the highest healthcare costs, with annual costs for cancer-related medical services and drugs projected to reach nearly $246 billion in the U.S. by 2030. Although oncology accounts for only 1% of claims volumes, it makes up 12% of overall employer healthcare spend. While many employers and unions provide coverage for cancer screenings, barriers to access are expected to contribute to an estimated 1.9 million cancer cases and more than 600,000 deaths this year. People assume that inequities are primarily a factor of lack of education and lack of priorities, Othman Laraki, co-founder and CEO of Color Health, told Fierce Healthcare. And that is, in my experience, patently false. It is almost entirely driven by lack of access. The American Cancer Society and Color Health have teamed up to provide access to convenient and accessible cancer screenings through employers and unions. More than 150 million Americans that receive care through an employer or union are eligible to access the cancer prevention and screening program if their organizations enroll. Fierce Healthcare Senior Editor Heather Landy sat down with Othman to dive into these issues and discuss what can be done to boost screenings. Here they are. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am really interested in diving into this issue about the barriers to screening and prevention and the role that employer-based cancer screening can play in the fight against cancer. Heather, thank you for having me. So, you know, access to early screenings and and intervention can reduce deaths by 45%, according to the American Cancer Society. But why is cancer prevention a workforce concern? Sure. So maybe just taking a, a bit of a step back and just looking at the broad picture for cancer over the from an employer standpoint, when they look at their healthcare benefits, they really look at it in general from a two lenses. First, obviously, it's a part of their financial strategy. Today, healthcare is one of the largest operational costs for most employers. And second, it's a workforce strategy. Increasingly, employers' involvement with the healthcare and the well-being of their employees is a critical part of investing in their growth and their business success. And it's usually that kind of that combined lens. Specifically with cancer, today it represents about 15% of total cost of care. And for most employers, it's about it's usually the number one. It's become the leading cost for most employers. And if it isn't the, the top cost, it's in the top three, depending on different workforce uh, demographics. But when they look at the last 20 years of evolution of cancer, the cost has gone up by about an order of magnitude. And most of our it, spending today is in treating cancer, obviously. And a lot of that is spent on late stage treatments. When we look at the last 20 years, overall cancer mortality has decreased a little bit, but it has not come from treating disease. It has mostly been actually from reduction in smoking, so smoking cessation, as well as uh, improvements in screening rates, starting to catch cancers a bit earlier. On the second part, the biggest driver for that is through the Affordable Care Act that has dramatically increased the amount of coverage for screening. 
you know, today across most workforces, or if even if you're on a public plan, you will have complete coverage for mammographies, colonoscopies, et cetera. And that has been shown to work extremely well and have very big impacts on both survival as well as cost reduction. Uh, and I can go into details of, about that. But so for employers, kind of one of the really interesting and really striking transitions that's happening right now is that the cost of care has been going up on a double digit basis almost every single year. And it is truly starting to hit on a zero sum component of like their economics. Like it is becoming now the cost of healthcare is literally impacting the bottom line for employers. It's impacting whether they can give their workforces pay raises. It's impacting whether they're able to be profitable. And so they are looking at what are the big drivers for that. And today there are basically two key drivers uh, this year right now that are the top priority for folks. It's GLP-1 drugs, so the medications around weight loss, and the other one is cancer care. Those are the two big numbers that are tend to be at the top of the agenda for most. And the question is, what can you do about it? And so for both of these areas, it's two very different strategies. But when you look at cancer, like I mentioned, like the fact that so much of the cost is concentrated on treating disease, and historically, most of the effort had been spent around almost on the edge, like, okay, can we try to get people to get treated in locations that are a bit less expensive, or can we manage down costs and so on? But when all said and done, if someone has a late stage cancer, A, obviously we will, as an employee, you have to support them and give them access to care and ensure that there's coverage there. But by the time someone has late stage disease, there's no way around the fact that A, it's going to be expensive and B, the outcomes don't tend to be that good. And so really where screening and prevention and early detection really have a big role to play is that is the single biggest lever to move that top level number in a very big way. If we moved cancer detection to stage one across all cancers, it roughly cuts in half the cost of cancer. That's like a bigger move than any other single thing we could do in the full cost of care is if we are able to move cancer detections to stage one. Obviously, doing all of that in one shot is not possible. That's a very long shot. But one of the things that we've noticed with a lot of folks that we work with is that people don't realize the extent to which they have tools at their disposal today. For cancers for which there are highly accepted, established, and fully covered screening options like mammographies, colonoscopies, dermatology checks, and so on, completely covered uh, for people that qualify, just getting those cancers to be moved to stage one is about a quarter of the cost of cancer care. Again, that's a bigger move than any kind of thing that any type of saving that we've seen in the last several years in, in, in American healthcare, and obviously with a big dramatic impact on survival for those employees and the, the impact on their lives and their families. And that's where like employers are increasingly really putting a focus on this is that it is a latent opportunity. It's already completely within budget. So especially in a Current economy where adding more things to the budget is challenging. Here, that it, they're seeing it as an opportunity to, within their existing budget, have a huge impact both on the, their employees' lives as well as on their the economics of healthcare. So, I think most people are aware of the importance of cancer screenings, but what are some of the barriers that are preventing people from getting to those doctor appointments to get screened and tested? Yeah, the, the experience of the last twenty years of with a lot of coverage increasing. But the screening rates not improving that much, I think, have been a great lesson for us. And it's been, I think, in many ways, the lesson that we all learned in space through COVID. Having something that is available and paid for is not sufficient to make it accessible. 
And like everything in life, especially for things like when, around screening and prevention, because they're not acute healthcare situations, like you are not, if you break a, a foot, you have to go to the hospital. It's no longer on your terms. On the flip side, for things that, are, that can be deferred, they all die on the, through a thousand cuts. It's all through the little bit of inconveniences that stop people from actually getting screened. So I'll give you an example. So we, and this actually was at the origin of our partnership with the American Cancer Society. So we worked with the Jefferson Health System in Philadelphia as one of our customers. We did over 10,000 people there that used the Colors high-risk screening program there. What was really interesting there is that you had all these people who showed up to a health system every single day for work. You know, they're literally in the same location as where their mammography centers and their you know, testing labs and so on. For people to get even a mammography, a lot of them did not realize that you needed a, a referral. And so telling someone, go get a mammography, but you're not giving them the referral, that the implication is that they need to go find a primary care provider, schedule time with a doctor, go get a referral, and then come back and get scheduled, take time off work and all those situations. And it's all those like little bits of friction that end up actually causing the loss of a lot of people who could otherwise get screened, um, even when it's covered and they're, they're, they have physical access, but they don't have convenience access in some sense. And that's at the heart of all the work that we do, which is to create a, an integrated program that is designed to take all of the bits of friction out of the way for people to be able to access these screenings. And that has orders of magnitude impact on who, can, who actually does get screened. And we've had a very similar experience, for example, with a lot of labor workforces like Teamsters Truck Driver Union or Alaska Railroad. When you're talking about these workforces where you have people who are sometimes, many times hourly workers, don't go to, are very distributed, don't oftentimes have access conveniently to locations to get screened and so on. It is those little bits of friction that really end up being prohibitive as opposed to purely a coverage problem. It's interesting you brought up COVID and friction and, and that obviously that friction just got even worse during COVID. According to a survey from the Business Group on Health last year, 13% of employers said that they had seen more late stage cancers and another 44% anticipate seeing such an increase in the future. So obviously the COVID-19 pandemic had a huge impact on cancer screenings and that's having an impact on, on employers, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it did two things. I think one is that it, on one hand, it really exacerbated the gaps. And the second thing, too, that it did, I think, is that it really changed expectations is that in many ways through COVID, a lot of us experienced a form of healthcare that was more accessible than anything we were used to. Mm -hmm. we, re we realized that, oh, I can get testing conveniently at my workplace or at my church, or I can get vaccinated at work, or I can vaccinate at, in an easy location without needing to wait on my terms and so on. And I think also that change in expectation has percolated to the expectation of heads of benefits to ask themselves this model that I was able to get my entire workforce tested multiple times a week sometimes and was I able to make that work. How come I can't do that for screening for colon cancer, for screening for HPV, for mammographies and so on? And I think that also leads, begs that question of what we were doing differently that actually worked there and how can we translate that to all the other aspects of accessible healthcare? And I think that has really informed a lot of how people are thinking about the road ahead and realizing that you really need to take a more almost like 
value-based model approach to employer healthcare and saying, I can't just go and solve, boil the ocean and solve everything at once, but rather say, what are my top areas? And I can go and actually make a very concerted dent in those. And that actually really adds up, right? Both in terms of the human lives, as well as the cost of care. I mean, just to give you like an example of a, like the, the magnitude of this impact, right? Like you know, today, lung cancer is one of the highest mortality cancers in the United States. For people who are at risk of lung cancer, if they were smokers or had occupational health exposure, firemen and so on, or carpenters, they're supposed to get an annual CT scan. So it's a low-dose CT that is fully covered. It's not that expensive. And today, only about 6% of people who should be getting screened do get screened. And today, we catch about only about 14% of lung cancers in the United States are caught at stage one when they're still treatable. For populations who follow the screening guidelines, that 14% moves to 45%. To put in perspective, right, like uh, that, all of those people, it's about a seven times increase in survival, and it's about a quarter million dollars saved per person. That's a bigger impact literally than any drug that has ever been put on the market in the history of cancer, right? And it's for something that is cheap and fully covered. So it's not a coverage problem. It's the, I think the two big barriers there is that one, that a lot of people do not get their screening recommendations updated according to guidelines. So a lot of people, everyone assumes that everyone is average, whereas in reality, <laughs> most of us are, are not average, right? Like mm-hmm. only about 20 to 30% of people are what we call average risk. If you take out increased risk through genetics, past history of cancer, occupational exposure, family history, smoking, and so on. And so when you actually account for all of those, there's actually a lot of people, you know, the majority of people don't get their recommendations adjusted. That's number one. But then whether you have the right or wrong recommendation, the second part is the friction and the inconvenience that for, when you think about the screening, screening tools, they are literally designed to be low impact, low cost procedures, right? But we have failed as a system to not encumber them with all of the inconvenience and burden that come with heavier healthcare, right? Like the fact that you need to check for pre-authorizations. You don't know if you have a copay. You need a doctor referral. You don't, need, you don't know where to go because you don't know where it's covered for you with your plan. All of those kind of add up to preventing people from taking advantage of resources that are covered and that could save their lives. So as you mentioned, earlier this summer, your company, Color, announced a partnership with the American Cancer Society to provide access to convenient and accessible cancer screenings through employers and unions. So how are your two organizations going about doing this? How are you making more screenings more accessible? How are you reducing the friction for patients? Yeah, so for both us and the American Cancer Society, really, it's been, so this is the first time the American Cancer Society has done a partnership like this in its 100-plus year history. And the spirit and the goal of this approach is that we both felt that this is one of the literally biggest impacts we can have on American healthcare and where employers have about half of Americans are covered through their work insurance coverage. Today, that role is seen as primarily one of payment, but realizing that employers have, it is one of the main places where our lives happen, right? Like when you, when you think about making healthcare accessible, that's one of the lessons we learned from COVID is instead of take, telling you you should take your life to healthcare, it's about bringing healthcare into your life. And most of our lives happen basically either at work 
at our kids' schools, churches, right? There are only a few places that where society really congregates and aggregates. And employers have this dramatic role and deep alignment with the health of their employees. And so the, that was the genesis of this partnership where the American Cancer Society obviously is one of the most venerable brands in American healthcare or global healthcare, and especially in cancer, and have deep a resources in supporting cancer patients, but also deep involvement in setting the kind of the policies and the scientific guidelines to drive access and to, to screening and prevention. We have about a 10-year history in cancer screening and prevention, but also a lot of experience doing very distributed logistics and accessible healthcare. We've done over 40 million tests or vaccines or medications delivered across the United States, across over 13,000 sites. And so really the spirit of this was combining the operational depth and logistics with the deep cancer support experience with the policy there. The approach we took for it is really thinking about the program and three big elements to it. Number one is around making screening as accessible as possible. And that breaks down into A, for things that can be done at, at home or in the workplace. So we make these kits like incredibly simple to, to use where people can pick them up either at work or get them sent to their home for prostate cancer screenings, colon cancer screening, and cervical cancer screening so that women don't need to go get a pap smear. They can have another option. Number two is for screenings that require someone to be in person. So lung CTs, dermatology, mammographies, colonoscopies, a very integrated high-touch model so that all of the overhead so that is taken care of so people don't need to figure out where they need to go, get it scheduled, deal with a provider referral, and so on. So we just completely wrap that up in a way that it's literally, you're told, hey, Heather, you need, you need a mammography. What times are generally good for you? How far from home do you want? Do you like to travel? Are you willing to travel? And the service completely just takes care of scheduling everything and takes care of everything. You just show up. Number two is when there is a finding, one of the things we found is that a lot of cases, people have a positive PSA or fit test, for example, but then they don't know what to do or where to go. They might lose months in that transition to get scheduled for the follow-ups and so on. And obviously the cancer doesn't wait. And so there it's a very high touch model to move people through the process, to make sure that once there is a risk, that is chased down and conclusively determined whether they they're, are indeed have a cancer or that's a, a false alarm. Uh, and that's very important because a lot of time gets lost there. And then number three is for people who are actual cancer patients. They're a deep program to support them and their families through that entire journey, both on the kind of uh, behavioral support side, care navigation, and so on. So it's really those three elements to create a holistic and comprehensive way to help employers manage the full kind of cancer prevention and screening all the way to cancer treatment journey. Is this initiative focused on screening for specific cancers? No, it's focused on all of the guidelines, screenings or cancers that have established guidelines around them. Okay. And how many people do you think you can reach through this initiative, do you have a specific goal in mind? Roughly half of the U.S. population is covered either by their employer, union, or pension plan. That's over 150 million people in the United States that are that would be impacted by a program like this. The way we're thinking about this model is that it, there's nothing that really prevents 
having a similar approach for non-employer-based populations. But we wanted to start with employers just because it is a there's such a deep alignment there with employer leadership, and it's such a big priority today. So we felt that was the right way to start where we could have the greatest impact in the most direct way. And then I think you mentioned earlier, this does not actually require a big financial investment from employers. In general, for screening and prevention, it is some of the cheapest money to spend, if you will, just because of the the ratio of cost of detecting a cancer compared to treatment is so lopsided. Oftentimes you will have literally 1% of the population is where we're spending most of our money. It's not their fault, right? Like it is because we are not making services accessible to them as opposed to having them need to face a late stage uh, treatment. And, and, and for its worth, by the way, like the, the other thing that's not talked about enough is the financial toxicity of cancer treatment for individuals, right? It's often talked about how healthcare is one of the biggest, the number one reason for, pe- for personal bankruptcy. And it is often because of health events like late stage cancer that are the biggest driver of this. In the past three years, during the COVID-19 pandemic, your company got involved with setting up the infrastructure and logistics for COVID-19 testing sites, working with governments, employers, other institutions that serve very large populations. Were there any lessons learned through these initiatives that are valuable to this current kind of work you're doing to to increase cancer screenings? Yeah, I think one of the big lessons through the pandemic was early on, it was all of us focused on the technology and the science, right? Oh, we need to develop tests and we need to fix supply chains and we need to develop a vaccine. But then every time one of those big thresholds was crossed, there was a big gap between making the developing the technology and actually reaching the people that are the most vulnerable. For example, we worked with one of the largest poultry farmers in the United States across multiple states. The vast majority of their employees are not English, fluent English speakers working in farms where they had massive outbreaks. And the question is, how do you serve those people? Because they are not going to go to the doctor's office. They don't have the option or ability to go there. And the question is, how do you develop a care model that is able to do simple healthcare in a way that's highly accessible to populations like that? And for us, what I think a lot of peers also really learned through this process is how investing in the tooling and the logistics to take technology out of the way and to build a service model that takes a lot of the kind of traditional, oh, you need to deal with your payer, you need to deal with your doctor, et cetera. Like at the end of the day, if you just need a test done, your experience as an individual should be as narrowly concentrated in that event as possible. And it's our job to make all of those additional things happen without you needing to deal with them. And I think that was the real lesson here. It's like, how do you make literally, for example, we with many employers and still today for other programs that we run across dozens of workplaces, like 50 offices, 100 offices, you will have these unstaffed rooms where people can just show up, pick up kits for things that they're, them and their dependents are, are eligible for just on their phone without installing an app, it takes them 30 seconds to activate them. They submit a sample and they're, they're able to get screened. And we take care of all the logistics in the background. Our vision is very similar for in-person screenings, right? Like at the end of the day, your experience with the mammography should be as narrowly focused as you needing to show up. 
Aside from that, everything else should be our job to take care of and to make to take out of your way. And I think seeing how well that worked and how much of an impact it is to show up where people's lives happen. For example, with the state of California, we did a lot of vaccinations in African-American churches. And it turns out when you show up in a community and it's like it is for the community, by the community, the take rate multiplies and people are very grateful for those services. And I think that's the same approach we can take for a lot of other aspects of healthcare. And I think that's been, I think, a pretty big turning point, I think, for how a lot of people think about solving some of these problems that keep being seen as these perennial, unsolvable things, right? People don't do X because they're uneducated or because they don't care as much about their health and et cetera. And that's just patently false. Like almost every example I've ever seen, people care about their health and about their family's health as much up and down the ladder or sideways, no matter how you cut it. And it's always when these things show up, it's because the death of a thousand cuts of inconvenience that disproportionately impact the more vulnerable populations, whether it's financially or culturally or geographically and so on. And I think that's really the kind of one of the big kind of opportunities of this next generation of healthcare in the United States. Those are all really great points. It's been so interesting talking to you and learning more about Color's work in public health, COVID-19 testing, and of course, with the cancer screening employer-based programs. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Podnosis. I'm Ayla Ellison. You can find out more about this topic in our show notes at fearshealthcare.com. Look for podcasts. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday morning to Podnosis, where healthcare is our beat.